I think I'm stupid enough to be able to explain this sort of stuff to like the everyday person and like intelligent enough to be able to understand it myself. Like I'm just at the right level of stupidity. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Creator, the influence marketing podcast with Digital Voices. I'm Jenny, uh, ready to make people feel awkward all the time. And it's just a perpetual state for you making me feel awkward not you people in general um and i'm here today with brian mcmanus creator of youtube channel real engineering do you want to introduce yourself well i'd just be redundant at this stage repeating my <laughs> but yes i uh i present the real engineering youtube channel and basically just cover technology and engineering and try to get people excited about it so how did you go from growing up I'm wanting to be, I assume you wanted to be an engineer when you were young. No. What did you want to be? Um, jumped around a lot. Started off with wanting to be a giraffe. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a vet. And then I wanted to be an engineer. Were you trying to build yourself into being a giraffe? Did you want to I, engineer I was three. I don't, I don't remember wanting to be a giraffe. It was just something apparently I wanted to be. Um, yeah. And so, and so a lot of people, when they think about YouTube content, they don't imagine the type of content you make, right? They don't typically think about educational videos that are quite niche explainers. Well, like the, I, I think it depends on who you talk to. There's clearly a huge amount of people who go to YouTube purely for educational content and for explainer videos. I don't go to YouTube to watch the Logan Pauls and Casey Neistat's. I go there to watch all the nerdy, in, like informative documentary style videos because like that's the sort of stuff I watch. Like if I'm on Netflix, I primarily watch documentaries. I'm not there to watch like the majority of other shows on, on it. So I think it depends who you talk to, but I guess the mainstream view of YouTube is primarily gaming and vlogging. So, yeah. Okay. Let's go from the beginning. You were an engineer. Mm -hmm. You trained to be an engineer. You did. How, what was that educational process like? Um, I started off studying biomedical engineering, which is like medical devices, stents, like hip implants and things like that. Um, graduated into the recession, couldn't get a job in that industry, even though like I really enjoyed it. Like I would probably happily go back to that job now if I wasn't desperately far behind on, on the career trajectory of that job. Um, and then I went back to do a master's to like improve my chances. And at that time I was trying to be a bit more focused on what I was going to study in order to increase my chances of getting a job. So I just went for the industry that was growing the most in my field at the time, which was composite materials. So I did aeronautical engineering, which I was just nerdy about anyways, like I was always into planes. And then I ended up working in the oil and gas industry in Malaysia directly after my master's, which I kind of hated because I just hated the industry and I hated the, the kind of work environment. And then for whatever reason, I lost my mind and started a YouTube channel. <laughs> but yeah, this is what, this is what I was trying to work out because there has, there's been a huge growth in like educational content on YouTube in the last few years, right? Mm. And people who enter niches more deeply. Were you looking, when you first became an engineer, did you like search for YouTube content on engineering to see if it existed and it wasn't there? Yeah, for sure. Like the, my main inspiration for the channel was Destin from Smarter Every Day. Just 
when I discovered his channel, it was kind of like discovering this whole new potential for YouTube is like, oh, people do make this sort of content for YouTube. And it, he kind of reignited my passion for aviation and aeronautical, aeronautical engineering. Like he was, I discovered him just after I graduated mm-hmm. and I was working in a factory at the time. It was just miserable. And I just like got really into helicopters because he was making videos about like how helicopters work. Uh, but no one else was really making why are you laughing, giggling? I like Destiny. He's a nice person. He's a good guy. He's a nice guy. Um, but no one else was making really highly detailed, specifically about engineering stuff. Like Destin goes kind of veers in between engineering and other things. Um, but I wanted specifically like for high, high level detail on engineering and kind of the stories behind it. And that's partially of where the name real engineering came from, which I kind of hate now, but like I'm stuck with it. It was mostly inspired by a lot of the people who were branded, branded as engineering at the time. There's like Facebook groups, like interesting engineering and wonderful engineering. And none of it was engineering. And I felt like engineers were being really misrepresented in the media of what they actually do. And like most of these pages were just meme channels of like, oh, like I'm not good at spelling, but I'm good at math. And it just annoyed the shit out of me. It's like this, we need, we need better. We need to market engineering as a career better. And like, it just morphed into the YouTube channel after a while. So I'm trying to work out when you decided to move out of kind of your comfort zone, mm. which probably isn't making videos. And when did you decide to like make your own video and be like, I'm going to make an engineering video for YouTube? What point was that? In your um, it was probably around the same time. Like there, I've, I've a channel called Fisrock, which is an Irish word for curiosity, where my first video that I ever made on engineering, it's like, Stress and Strain 101. And I think that was like 2011. So where, where, was what just, was your life like at that point? I was working in a factory and based, no, actually I was unemployed when I made that. I wasn't working in the factory yet, but I was just kind of, I was already making gaming videos on YouTube at the time, which that channel is not going to be revealed to anyone. Um, and I was just interested in the kind of YouTube space in general. I just found it fascinating. Like David Attenborough was always my like hero growing up. And like, if I, if I was being honest, what I wanted to do when I was growing up was be David Attenborough. Like, I remember saying that to my mom when I was like four or five, it's like David Attenborough, like, how do I get to do that? It's like, it's not going to happen. That's unrealistic. There's no, there's no it's a unicorn. Yeah. yeah. Um, but YouTube didn't exist at the time. So she couldn't have predicted that this career could have become a thing. Is that, was gaming kind of a hobby on the side or like how I'm just trying that to work. That was mostly just creator. me trying to f- fill my time when I was unemployed. I was just like, what can I do? And I was just, I've really into video games back then. I was spending a stupid amount of time. I don't do it so much anymore. Um, but it was more just kind of testing out the waters of how YouTube worked. Like there's, I, I even made montage videos of Conor McGregor's fights before he went into the UFC. And that was when I discovered you could make money on YouTube because when he got into the UFC, that video blew up and I made like a hundred euro. And I remember going into the pub and buying like Guinness for a load of my friends like, Hey, YouTube money. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. 100 euro the moment your life changed. Okay, so Real Engineering as a channel has gone from like zero to 1.7 million subscribers in what, like three years? Three years, yeah. Three years. So it feels like your style was very consistent from the beginning. You kind of set out to be 
a professional YouTube creator mm. from the beginning. Like how did, how did that come about? Did you always see it as you knew the brand you wanted and you knew what content you wanted to make? Uh, like I obviously didn't know every single facet of what the business would be when I started. It's been a huge amount of, of a learning curve, but I made a lot of videos before I put up my first video. And like, I knew this in my mind was always a business venture. This was always, I'm going to put my all into this and eventually I'm going to quit my job and do this. And then the way things happened at the time in my life, I just kind of, instead of gradually ramping into it, I just dropped everything. It's like, no, this is everything. I'm going to put everything into this. And I quit my job at zero subscribers and then just went full into it. And then I was like, just, I knew that would force me to work on it because like my attention, I have very poor attention and kind of get distracted easily. And my motivation is not consistent at all. But I knew if I had this like burning fire pit of unemployment under me, I would work on the channel and just keep producing stuff until it became a thing. And I fully expected to go back into a normal job. Like this was just, I'm going to take a chance on myself for six months and see where it goes. And then weirdly, like I, I replaced my income within that six months. That is so it's really funny because when I was working at YouTube, so I worked 500 channels, um, about like how to grow organically when I was a partner manager and most of them, there was this big debate where like they'd get to about a hundred thousand subscribers and then these debate or like, do we go full time now? I don't think I ever met anybody who was like, I'm going to throw myself in the deep end into like a pit of fire and from zero subscribers become a full-time YouTuber. It's it's an incredibly stupid thing to do. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) Like the chances are so slim that you're going to make it as a YouTuber creator. Like the, there's so much chance involved, but for whatever reason, I think I had a very valuable niche that no one was really attacking at the time. Like there's loads of physics. This was the thing that really perplexed me. There's physics channels, there's chemistry channels, there's biology channels, there's all sorts of channels focused around science, but none were focusing on the most applicable of them all with engineering. Like it's so easy to make uh, people interested in science by like just framing it around like a fast car. Like you get people who aren't even interested in engineering clicking on my videos and then getting really disappointed. So goddamn nerd talking about maths for (laughs) get those comments all the time. But that's how I feel about you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's really interesting is from what you've just said, like unemployment motivated you going back into education. But unemployment, it seemed like was quite a scary thing when you were growing up or like when you first left uni, because mm. unemployment was quite hard and you ended up working in a factory. I'm amazed you like took unemployment and decided to make it a positive thing. What what was like the final straw in leaving your job? Like, why did you decide to take the plunge like that? Was it just to do YouTube or was it because you were um, not happy? There was a lot, I could be here all day and I'm not going to talk about a lot of the factors that motivated me into quitting the job. Like there's a lot of personal stuff mixed in there too. But I think a big part of it for me was I... One of the ways I deal with my anxiety, which you know a little bit about that, like I used to have a a lot worse than it is now, but just generalized anxiety. And the way I deal with that is by attacking the things that make me anxious. And one of the things that made me anxious at the time was maintaining that, just that attitude of trying to maintain a lifestyle that like, if you're in a job, you always have to be taking the next step up and always like, you're, you're not allowed to take a step down and like downgrade your lifestyle, which I hated. So I was like, I'm just going to purposely downgrade my lifestyle. And it was weird because I remember the day 
I left the job. I didn't even leave it. I had a six month contract or like notice period. So I, like I got fired after three months of that notice period. So I got three months free pay. It was great. Stupid boss. I hope he's watching this stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice to everyone. Not real engineering. He was not a nice person. Um, but he took, he took my car keys that day. And I remember that I didn't care about the job, but taking my, cause I had a company car and I remember him taking the keys and that just felt like my freedom was being taken, especially in this. I was in Kuala Lumpur at the time. You need a car in that city. It's just stressful without a car. And then I had to move apartment into like a weird apartment with some weird guy that, came knocking on my door at like 3am one of the nights and shouting at me because I had the girl in the house who was a girl I was dating for six months at that point. So it wasn't like some random, random girl. And it's like, yeah, it was definitely a downgrade. And then I moved home to Ireland when I ran out of money and lived with my dad for six months. <laughs> yeah. I think like, I think it's called the ratchet effect that you're always supposed to like ratchet up your mm. career earnings. And I find that really funny because I do feel as though it prevents people taking chances. Yeah. The idea that you're supposed to be, being stable and taking that next step, I think harms a lot of people. And, and is probably the reason there aren't, weren't that many YouTube engineering channels because those people had really safe jobs and yeah. kept ratcheting up. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's probably not something that occurs to them too. Um, but there's a lot of engineering channels now who are still working as full-time engineers. Destin still works full-time. And I think he's working full-time and doing a PhD now because he's a lunatic. But then there's Grady from Practical Engineering who's still working full-time as a civil engineer. So the moment you quit, you've handed back your car, mm. you're living in a shitty apartment you didn't like. Were you motivated to make YouTube videos then? Because for most people, being at that stage in their life makes you feel like you kind of want to do less. But that's the time you decided to step up and do more. So like, how did how did you structure your life? How did that work? I mean, that was a big work in progress because, again, my attention span is atrocious. Like, I... I can barely concentrate for more than 20, 30 minutes at a time before I need to go and like just take a break and let my brain rest a little bit or something. Um, when I was living at home, it was very difficult. I, I tended to stretch the work over an entire day, but then one sponsor started coming through <clears throat> and they held me to a, to a schedule. Like you have to upload on this date. You don't have to. A lot of them are, are fairly lenient on when they wanted going up, but they have a general time frame. And then once I put up a schedule of like, okay, there's going to be a video every two weeks. And then I took that really seriously. That kind of kept me motivated and it stopped there, stopped me from putting up a video once every like two to four weeks. So it's like just important having a schedule for yourself. I mean, it's the same thing with daily vloggers. Like you see, like once who, I don't know who the first person to start daily vlogging was, but that like completely changed the game on YouTube for everyone. It's like, well, now you have to work harder. I don't think a lot of people who are currently working on YouTube have any professional experience in any sort of job or life experience and stuff with that. I feel like a lot of people have fallen into YouTube out of a different motivation than why I got into YouTube. I think there's a lot of attention seekers on YouTube who don't necessarily have the professional skills that I do and they're motivated by different things <laughs> and it's like I don't want to shit on all of them there's a lot of very professional YouTubers as well like I have a huge amount of respect for Jacksepticeye and people like that like I have a huge amount of admiration for for him and there's loads of people I respect on it but from the things I've seen with a lot of other channels is they they lack discipline because they've never had to develop discipline in their life because they fell into this really high paying YouTube job <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I think the word professional there could be applied to so many different fields, mm. like, and so many different ways of working. So, yeah. Anyway, I feel like if we carry on down this road, we're just going to end up shitting on people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, th- that's what I mean, though. It's, it's, I don't mean to shit on people, but like, it's. They've grown up professional like, yeah, yeah. like, scheduling was a big part of my career. And I, I know how to motivate myself in terms of like, cause it was, I was practically a project manager for my company. I basically had to do everything for my company as like as head R&D engineer in, the, in that office. So I just learned how to schedule things in order to motivate myself and work around my own weaknesses and attention and everything. So how far into post quitting your job and starting the channel, did you feel like it was on the right track? Like, were there moments? Immediately. Really? Yeah. It, what, First was that video went No, oh, you mean like in terms of business-wise? Like the first, not the first video, because the first video I uploaded was more of a mission statement for myself. I never intended it to do well. It's like, uh, it's kind of cringy looking at it now. It's very, the narration is very my American life type narration where I'm pausing and trying to make it dramatic, which I purposely avoid now. Insert in here. These names may often be lost in history, but we can celebrate their memory by appreciating their work. These people were real engineers. But the first proper video, Why Plain Windows Are Round, would immediately went, I think it was Huffington Post shared it, which is the only time they've ever shared any of my videos, even to date. It was that. And I think it was because it was really short. It was like two minutes. It was like a really nice shareable. And like, even now it's still my most stolen video, like Daily Mail stole it. And I tried to take them to court and they just like lawyered up and I was like, I don't have time for this. And then Lad Bible did it. And like, there's, it's just really, it's a weird video. It's just like, I think it's purely because it's short and shareable that people keep on stealing it. And even though it's probably one of my worst videos. <laughs> I still send you photos, planes, yeah. windows sometimes. I bet all your friends do. I'm the plane window yeah, guy. Yeah, the plane window guy. You're like, God, why is this? <laughs> why is this this shape? Um, so what was the inspiration for that video? Why did you decide like that was the one you wanted to launch the channel with? And did you have like a thought process behind it? Um, so that was one of the videos that went through loads of different iterations before I landed on that style. Um, I had another one. And I think I was going for the kind of top five format, which I just got put off and I don't think it works well. Like it works brilliantly, but it's just, I wanted a more curated kind of very focused, like kind of narrative in my videos rather than here's five interesting facts and you get loads of views, but uh, it's just kind of lazy. Yeah. You can tell with you, it's quite like, it's always quite a tight topic, but Mm. you go really as kind of quite in depth into it. Yeah. Which I think is what makes your channel stand out consistently. Right. Yeah. Like some videos are more in depth than others. Like there's like my material science videos, I'm confident are the best videos on that topic on the internet. Like I feel like they teach material science better than I was taught it in college because it it's one of those subjects that needs to be explained visually as well. Like it's very hard to understand written on a piece of paper and through like just still images. And I think I think those work well, but, um, yeah, in terms of why I picked that subject, I I started off with top five innovations in, in aviation. And then I tried to do it all. And then it ended up being really long and convoluted. So I just cut it down to one and just picked that one. And then I switched over to animation because originally it was just 
like, I think a collection of stock footage. And I think the first I, I test uploaded on my personal channel and I got flagged for copyright. I was like, okay, this is not an option. So I started animating it, the full thing. And that one was just kind of easy to animate and it worked out. Where did you learn animation? How did you? Um, just taught it to myself. Just took a weekend off and like basically taught myself how to animate, but like, I'm still not a great, no, I actually bought an after effects book and followed the course that they came with, came with a CD. Cause I, I went off to, it was like Chinese new year. So I had like two days off work. So I just went off to some remote Island and learned how to animate for four days and then came home. It's like when people go off to like a cabin to write a book and you're like, off I go for a weekend to learn to animate. That's so like the modern equivalent of Thoreau. <laughs> um, it's a cool trip. I enjoyed it. So that video did really well. How well did it do when we're talking about like went viral? How, how quickly did it get like a million views? I don't think it got a million views particularly quickly. I think it got like a hundred thousand views. I remember going to sleep and I probably had like 5,000 views and then waking up and it had maybe a hundred thousand and I like lost my mind. Um, but that oddly, that didn't actually bring any subscribers in because it was like the first, like you need multiple videos on your channel. You can't just have one viral hit and everyone subscribes to you because they just think it's like the, your one thing. It, they don't realize that it's a continuation of other things. I think, I think people generally watch like two to three videos of yours before they like decide to subscribe. Yeah, I completely agree. Like if you go, if you go to a channel and it has one viral video, you don't trust the consistency. Whereas mm-hmm. I think with, even with your, like your branding and your thumbnails, you like immediately, as soon as you go to the channel now, there's so much content you trust it's going to be consistent. Right. And I think you've done that quite purposefully. I get the sense you have. Like, Yeah. I mean, the branding was important to me from day one. And I'm glad that I still have the same, the logo has changed a bit to something more professional looking, but like, I'm glad I'm stuck. I st- we stuck with that. Um, how and why, how did you come up with it? I can't remember. It is just a gear tooth and I just put in the gear tooth as an A. It's not exactly revolutionary, <laughs> but like the, I do like the logo now. I think it's kind of abstract and people don't quite know what it is, which is weird because I have it rotating into frame at the start of every video with gears traced around it. And people still ask me what it is. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really that fancy about it. I just thought it was a cool shape that kind of like exemplified what engineering is. Like it's just a mathematical shape. About with the blueprint. Yeah. But the blueprint was just an easy thing to animate because I don't have to worry about colors. Cause I just have to, it's just white and I could trace things. Like it was just a super easy animation style. And that was until I realized how much work goes into animating that style because the transparency between the layers causes all sorts of issues. And then having to, like, I just kept on getting more and more detailed. I remember with the, the Blitzkrieg video, I think I spent like three days just drawing tanks. Like I was just tracing pictures of tanks and it took, took forever. Did you ever think you'd be an artist? You know? No. And I don't animate anymore. Thank God. I don't waste my time with it. I only write now. So that first video did really well. How quickly did you start to replace your income? I think, I think it was about when I moved home to Ireland, I'd like just ran out of, well, I hadn't run out completely. There was some money that I refused to take out that was in kind of savings. I was like, no, no, that's like lifelong savings that I want to keep. Um, but I moved home and I think I got the vlog brothers sponsorship. They give like grants out to educational YouTubers. And that was like a big help. Cause I was like, it's more motivation more than anything. It was like cool that Hank Green had reached out and kind of given me this, this sponsorship. 
Um, and then I started getting offered sponsorships from one company that I won't name because I don't deserve the <laughs> the promotion. Um, Damn. Oh, they were, they were bullies. Burn. Um, Burn. Like Brian McManus from Real Engineering. <laughs> but that was, um, I can't remember the, I did like my first few sponsorships and the sponsors were fine. It was just the, the sponsorship agency I didn't like. They'd called me up and started saying that I owed them all this work because one of my videos hadn't reached the view target, which is just not how the industry is supposed to work. No, we purposely don't tell even creators the view target for an entire campaign because that puts pressure on them that it should be the agency's job to Mm -hmm. get that right. It shouldn't be the creator's job. Like, you know me as well. And like, I got really thick at them because all my other videos had like doubled all, like doubled or tripled the the view target. And then this guy with his business partner calls me and starts telling me like, I have to do this, that I owe them this. And I just like, you don't have a contract. I don't use, oh, you shit. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Brian's great to work with in case anyone's wondering. Well, like, <laughs> you are, my, you are. Well, who I work with now, I'm really good friends with and they have really good morals and like they, they're, they're very clearly focused on helping smaller creators grow rather than taking advantage of them. Whereas I think the other crowd were more focused on kind of giving their higher up talent good deals and kind of screwing over the smaller person. Which is kind of like the normal agency model on YouTube, but that's what it had been traditionally. Okay. So what were the moments that you were like, oh my God, this is a real thing. I'm not going to have to go back to having a real job. Did you have like pinch me moments? It was a sponsorship thing. So it was when I started, yeah. So it's not even like millions of views when videos got millions of views. I mean, no, of course I do care about it. Like, it's nice to see my videos do well. And I still get happy when I, if a video isn't doing well now, I get upset. And if it's doing well, I get happy, but I try to disengage from that as much as possible. So that's a story I tell myself. I clearly do care about it, but it was definitely when like I started replacing my income because that was my ultimate goal was always to have freedom to do what I want to do. And it just happens that creating videos about the nerdy engineering things is what I want to do, but I can't do that forever if I'm not making money. So like making money off, it was the end goal. So how quickly did you replace your income? I think it was six, seven months. Do you think you're going to do it forever now? You said like before you thought you'd go back to a traditional job. Like, do you feel like you're... I couldn't go back to a traditional job, even if I wanted to now. You're too stubborn. Well, no, I'm not qualified anymore. I'm too far behind. It's like you get pigeonholed in engineering and you become really specialized very quickly. So like I'm nearly 30 now and I haven't worked in engineering in three years. It would be really hard to get a job as an engineer again. Uh, unless you got hired as like a storyteller for an engineering company. Oh yeah. No, and I see that happening. I Like everyone's moving over to video now as well. You see nearly every major media company has started making video on YouTube now, like Business Insider and Huffington Post and all of them are making video explainers now and none of them are very good at it. Like, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) okay. And it's like they're trying to, um, they're often creators can speak to that audience better anyway. Yeah. So it's like they need to find the right advocate or ambassadors to do that for them. Well, like I feel like if they were smart about it, they would rebrand and they wouldn't be uploading under their business name because... I mean, Vox has done a very good job of it. And like Vox is a big corporation, but I think they hit the right balance between them being self-aware that they're a big corporation, but also having individual hosts that people can connect with. And that's important. It's funny that you say that and you don't fit yourself in your videos. Uh, um, They don't really either. You have Johnny Harris for Borders. But that 
that's more of vloggy type. Like that fits the content. He's traveling like that. And he's explaining. Yeah. Like that, that there's a purpose for him being in that video. What I don't like is when it's just, I'm explaining something and it's just me in front of a green screen. Talking, like, what's the point of it? You're not, you're not adding anything to the explanation. It's just your face. And I think a face is more likely to put someone off the content rather than attract them to it. And people have told me so many times that like, Oh, you need to appear on camera. It's like, uh, I'm not into all that vain shit. I'm like, I like just being behind and let, let the technology and what I'm teaching take center focus. And I think that's one of the things people like about your channel. Actually, I think mm. they find it quite comforting. They know what they're tuning in for. And they also like, it's not part of your consistent format. I think they quite like that you're not vain about it. Yeah. Well, like my audience is predominantly male as well. So like, I'm pretty sure most of them have no interest in seeing my face. I'm sure there's statistically a, a large number of them that would. <laughs> okay. Telling your family, trying to convince your family who you'd done a very traditional job. You'd got mm. very traditionally qualified and now you're a YouTuber. Has it been interesting telling that story, that transitional? To my family. To your family or to friends? Um... I mean, when I remember the day I went in and told my Gaelic football team, who were basically my family at the time, because I was so far away from home that I'd quit my job, they all gave out to me. Because they're all older guys, mostly. They're like, they all have families and are kind of, were further down that career trajectory that I was heading down. I was like, why are you giving this up? This is a really solid job. I was like, don't worry about me. I'll do fine. And they, like, none of them believed me I'd be fine. And I remember I went back last year to Malaysia and I, like, told them, like, like that I had succeeded and I was employing people now. And they're like, what? <laughs> this does not compute. How does it work now? How many people do you employ? And so you said you just write. How does that work? That's been a kind of work in progress. So uh, I kind of tried to figure out what the most efficient way of running a YouTube channel is with just lead time. And a lot of my thinking recently has been based on that Ford Model T video. I was just trying to take inspiration from mass manufacturing and like how to streamline the manufacturing process, which is basically his method was to reduce cycle time. So like the shortest, like if one person is screwing a screw, but there's a hundred thousand people, the time to create a car is one person screwing in that screw. So I tried to just minimize what I'm doing, which is writing the script. That's my bottleneck is script writing but I can hire an animator who's a better animator than me. And I can hire an editor who's a better editor than me. So that's the flow now. Like I write a script, pass it off to the animator. They make the animations, they pass it off to the editor. And then we like, that's the final video product. And I think, I feel like that's a really nice streamlined way. So that's three or four. That's three main people, but I have other smaller roles like um, audio engineer and Simon who makes my thumbnails Graham, Graham, I always pronounce the name wrong. It's Americans. Graham, who does my, uh, does my audio and I have a few other, like through sponsorships and stuff like that. I have other people who help out with the sponsorships and who am I forgetting? No, that's it. Like animator, Mike, editor, Stephanie, but now we're looking at expanding that model and creating new channels. So bringing in Kind of, cause, uh, yeah, I do. I feel like I've hit a nice balance there with it, just the optimization so we can create a new channel and kind of gradually build it up to a three person team and then do that again with that other channels. Channel yeah, well? yeah. Yeah. Well, like it depends. Um, we'll see how that goes. I'm happy to host, but like I kind of want to, I want to enable other people to kind of create what they want to create too. What? So now you've got a channel where people didn't imagine you could have this career. Mm. 
What motivates you to keep going? What's the big thing you're working towards? I don't think that far ahead. You just enjoy everything. I just, I'm just like, I get nerdy about the next video and then I get excited about writing that script. And then, then that video is out and I can move on to the next thing. I think like, ultimately I want to move towards not having to work. Like that has always been my go-to thing that I want to have the option to retire when I'm young, but I never will. Like, I just, I don't want that looming fire pit underneath me for anything. Like if I want to go and start something new, I want to be able to do that without having to worry about that fire pit anymore, even though it motivates me, but I want to move past that motivation. You posted something once, it's really personal, it's kind of weird, that you were like, uh, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And it's like, actually your work kind of all of the time. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I completely get that. And I can see it with you because I think you're happy. I think this yeah. makes you, apart from, you know, the bitching about when views don't go that well, you seem pretty happy. Well, I'm like, that's, I'm just a moody little shit at the rest of times. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like I, this is what I'm, this is what I feel I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I feel like this is, works to both my strengths and weaknesses is for this job. Like, I feel like I'm not, I think I'm stupid enough to be able to explain this sort of stuff to like the everyday person and like intelligent enough to be able to understand it myself. Like I'm just at the right level of stupidity, <laughs> just the right level, the Goldilocks level the of stupidity. Level of stupidity yeah. um, and I'm dyslexic. So I can't really understand when something is just like explained to me in words, I find it difficult. So that lends itself towards explaining things visually. So I feel like that works to other weaknesses and stuff as well. So and I just enjoy it. Well, it's interesting because your age range for demographics, for like your audience is so broad and you can tell you do make subjects accessible. Like I've met one of your 13 year old viewers mm. who like said he had no one in school, no teachers who he could discuss anything to do with what he's interested in with, yeah. but he can watch your stuff and he can understand concepts. And I think like you, you make something very accessible and it, like that's quite an empowering thing for right. viewers, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be in, it'd be interested to talk to younger people because I haven't got that opportunity. I'll introduce you. He's called Jabril. He's great. He's really cool. He has a furnace in his garden and he makes like knives because of that steel. He's, yeah. Sounds like he's smarter than I am. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too smart. Um, the other thing I was going to discuss was Smart YouTube Mafia. Do you want to talk about that? I think you'd love this identity. So do you want to talk about Standard at all? Um. I can talk about it. There's a lot of NDA stuff there too. So I don't, I'd like, I'd, I can so, pick and choose what I disclose. Okay. So like you're managed by standard TV. Mm-hmm. They sign up a lot of educational content right, producers. Yeah. They seem a really lovely team. Yeah. Um, and then the smart YouTube mafia thing happened. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I don't want to talk about the person who initiated it. I don't, I don't want to give that person validation in starting drama but um because i so the reason i bring it up is because i feel like you've latched onto this identity a little bit like you added it to your twitter bio you added smart youtube mafia to we your twitter bio. yeah a significant number of us <laughs> but i feel like that's partly because being a youtube creator is often quite lonely and like having something mm-hmm. that is an identity that you can associate with especially because when i see you with those creators you're it's like you're career choice kind of makes sense and you feel very at home well like one of the best things about standard is that we have like a company slack where all the people signed with standard can be in there and talk to each other 
And when you're working from an office alone all day, that's like a really nice thing to have that you can just jump in and whether it's just ranting about something that happened on YouTube or something and people understand. Um, and like, then we just hang out with like outside of like work scenarios too. Like we go to VidCon things together and like I travel with Sam and uh, Joseph from like Wendover in real life lore fairly frequently. Um, that's kind of just like weird how much we travel together. I was showing um, people from the RAF, like a photo of Sam and um, Life Law. And mm. I was like, these are two of the people who make the most popular aviation content out there. And they were looking at them like, are you kidding? Like, those guys. And I'm like, yeah, you don't see their faces, but these are the people making that content. And I think even like the aviation industry is like alienated from who the people are who are shaping public opinions mm. on it. Sam just like makes good content. So does Joseph. San Joseph doesn't make aviation stuff. Occasionally yeah, like he that. does. Yeah. Um, Educational content. It's just about passion. Like it doesn't matter what you look like. If you have a passion for something, people will listen to you. It's not about what you look like, but I think it's the fact they're not in the videos. So people don't know who to associate with. Right. Like similarly, you probably don't get stopped on the street because people recognize no, your I'd voice. No, I hate that. That'd be yeah. the worst. I, I have at the ThinkerCon event, I remember being really weirded out by... I was like just talking to an individual person and people were walking by and like putting their ear closer so they could hear my accent and figure out who I was. And then once one person figured out who I was, like room, like, like the, the news spread through the room. Cause like my demographic was in that room and then like cues started forming. And that was really nice. And that's in any other scenario, I would have hated that. But in that scenario, all those people were like my people they're all like nerdy engineering fans. And I could just, we just talked about random things for like half an hour. And then we just had, it's cool. But if that was happening in the street, like it's happened to me in Galway once I was wearing my, like the t-shirt. Cause it was actually at a rugby thing. Cause it was like, we needed to wear blue. And it was like the only blue thing I had. And the guy stopped me. He was like, Oh, it's your man himself. And I was like, what, who, what? And he's like, YouTube channel. I was like, yeah. And then he just kept walking. And I, I was just really confused because I'm not used to getting recognized. And it was like, just because the logo. But yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that. I'm too socially awkward for that. It, it also, I guess, means you get to live your normal life. I mean, like no one in the EDU space really gets recognized. You Tom see, Scott does. Yeah. Destin does. Yeah, they do, but they don't. Not like with the screaming 15 year old girls. Yeah. Tom was saying it's always their dads. Yeah. So it like, it's kind of be like the dads that come over. Final question. What makes you happiest about being a creator? Not having to answer to anyone. Yeah. I can tell that. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to do what I want. <laughs> what I want when I want. <laughs> yeah. It's great being on the brat, the agency side of that. Working yeah. with you. You're actually quite like organized. You're not as difficult as you think you are. Uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty reasonable, but I can be stubborn. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thank you very much. I've got to do quick five questions really quick. So your favorite YouTube channel that isn't yours? I'm just going to say Wendover Productions. I knew you were going to do that. Your favorite cuisine? Indian food. A brand that you actually like or feel some affinity with? I don't really care about brands. Cool. Your favorite ad campaign? I don't want to show for a company that isn't paying me. (laughs) Just say a brand that you actually like. I feel like Guinness really nailed their branding. Actually, that leads quite nicely into favorite drink. Do you prefer phone or text? Text. (laughs) Um, If you could be any animal, what would you be? It's not a giraffe. Like, I don't know why I want it to be a giraffe. It still doesn't make sense to me. Probably swallow. Those pretty cool birds. 
They're very swift. <laughs> that's weird. That that's not thought, weird. Yeah. <laughs> the worst fad that's ever been on YouTube. Vlogging. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. If you could make any video, if you had any access, what would you make? Probably something with the Spitfire. Oh, that was a subtle hint, just yeah. so everyone knows. That was a not so subtle uh, hint. Anything, anything to do with planes. If I got to fly in a fighter jet, that would be insane too. Uh, what's your next holiday destination? Probably America. Next video you're going to make, what's it about? Self-driving vehicles. Last time you cried? Last night. Wow. I watched Black 47. I got very emotional about the famine. So thank you very much for being on here. Learned a lot about you as a creator slash person. You're welcome. Um... Bit weird, but that's yeah, great. Because we're friends, and I'm trying to make you feel awkward too. Yeah, haha, you can't. Um, I'm very comfortable with awkwardness. All right, thank you very much. Uh, next time, uh, tune in for more creator chat and more influence marketing chat, and hopefully something more professional. No, probably not. Um, <laughs> probably not. Uh, and thank you very much, Brian, for coming and being here. Sound cool. Great. Bye. You did a great job. I was just taking piss out of here.